This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We're talking to estheticians, skincare specialists, and business owners to uncover best skincare practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Welcome to the ninth episode of Fearless Beauties. For today's episode, we wanted to highlight some of the, well, questionable things that Estes face in the treatment room. Sometimes you just never know what you're going to walk into. I think I've had about 30 years of life experience, and I feel like I've maybe seen it all or encountered it all, but even now, I still have the occasional, what? Yeah, and I cannot wait to hear these stories and also hear how these Estes kept their composure through it all. It can be really challenging to keep a professional demeanor when strange or horrific or really funny things are happening. I remember having to coach my reception staff on no matter what happens, stay calm. We used to have this male client who actually flew up from LA for hair removal sessions and he would scream, fuck, at the top of his lungs with every pulse of laser. And you could hear him through the walls. So the clients in the waiting room would start to get anxious. They would hear this. And so they kept come to the front desk and say, oh, I'm not going to be having done what this man is having done, am I? So we finally had to start having him scheduled as either the last client of the day or the first appointment in the morning and then not schedule anyone after him so that he could leave kind of privately. But I think that some of my experiences as a nurse working with post-surgical urology patients really helped me stay calm. And then, of course, just being a mom and dealing with kids helped. Yeah, 100%. In my opinion, it's kind of difficult to give any detailed advice on how to stay professional amongst the crazy things happening in the treatment room other than to stay calm because all I could think of is that man cursing out loud and me being outside of the room, like at the reception desk, just completely startled. But as a professional, I would just have to always remind myself that nothing is too crazy and just to expect odd and funny things to happen. I also think it's okay in certain situations, not in front of other clients, to just let out a laugh. But Mary, I agree with you 100% that being a mom has prepared you to stay calm in all things crazy or even scary. My daughter Lauren has gotten into some pickles, you know, toddlers fall all the time, and I have learned to stay calm because if she sees me freaked out, her pain will increase times 10. So I think I have it down where if she falls or hits her head and starts crying, I just immediately go, oh, it's okay, babe, you're strong, get up. And she immediately stops crying. And the same goes for shots at the doctor. If I'm calm, she cries for a second, looks at me, and just hugs me tight because my face says that everything's okay. Well, to get another perspective, I talked to Haley Wood, an esthetician of 15 years here in Portland. She had some really great stories that sum up what can happen in the treatment room. Great, let's hear what she had to say. My first job I had was really interesting because I was the only waxer, but I was still learning how to do it. So there was many a situation where I didn't know if it was inappropriate or not to have somebody's partner in the room with them. And I waxed women when they were really like way too late into their pregnancy. And literally one lady, I gave her a Brazilian 
I think like three days before she gave birth and it was really wild, like holding up her belly and stuff just to make sure I got all of the wax. There's, and then there's just been a lot of situations where I've run out of wax because the person showing up was booked for a brow wax when really they were meant to have a Brazilian wax and they were just covered literally from head to toe in hair. And there was, there's nowhere to start. There's nowhere to end. I've had people start their period on me, which is always interesting to have to be like, let me go ahead and give you something to clean up with. (laughs) I've had people want to hold on to me when I wax them. Specifically, uh, there was this one place I worked in in Austin where we had a uniform and it was just like a a t-shirt that had the spa logo on it, which was really nice to get up every day and just put on one of my t-shirts and go to work. I didn't have to think about what I looked like, but she wanted to just grab my shirt, spin it in her hand as I waxed her. And somehow it was comforting for her. So I just went ahead and led her. But yeah, there, there's been some crazy stories. I also think it's just what people discuss when they're getting waxed too. Like the, I've heard everyone's like stories of their love life, their divorces, their family drama, their work drama. And it's just, it's really fascinating because that amount of vulnerability that you have when you first kind of like, okay, let's take off our clothes and I'm going to wax you. And just, I think that they let their guard down and then they just assume that you're a therapist. I think Estes really need to keep an open mind and have kind of a non-judgmental attitude. Even if you hear some really outlandish things, I remember a client that I had that I didn't realize she was mentally ill at first. She just seemed really sweet in her consultation. So not until the second visit when we were kind of narrowing down what kind of treatment she was going to have. And she told me that she just couldn't afford to have any downtime because she was meeting regularly with Paul McCartney. Uh, This was when he was breaking up with Linda, his second wife, Nicholas Cage. She was big into uh, Bruce Willis and Prince Andrew. She knew all the secrets of the royal family. So I started to think, hmm, okay, I don't know here. And then her third appointment, um, she brought in this album where she had the replies of all the letters that she'd sent to these men. And she showed to me as proof that she really did have these relationships with them. And then in her next appointment, she was going public and she wanted me to meet her in the parking lot because she was sure that the paparazzi uh, was gonna swarm her and she wouldn't be able to get out of the car. And so I had to tell her that, I, you know, I'm really sorry. I just don't think I can see you anymore. I just don't think I have the expertise that you need. And so I used that reasoning that I didn't have the expertise and she just accepted that she was so special and her skincare needs were so unique. So she was free to find a different provider. Oh my gosh, Mary. I mean, not to diagnose her or anything, but she definitely has like narcissistic personality disorder. She has just a grandiose sense of self-importance and she truly believes she is a powerful person. So that is extremely interesting to me. But at the same time, it tickled me a little and I think you handled it really well, kind of like reverse psychology. You know, also, I've had these experiences similar to Haley, where clients will just reach up and grab me. 
And I've had to say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I have a laser in my hands and you know, you can get hurt or I could get hurt so I could burn you. So I have these squeezy balls in my drawer and I would give them something to hang on to. Yeah, that's really smart. Having those squeezy balls or like the stress balls to help your clients take their tension and anxiousness out on that instead of you. When you become really good at it and you can do a lot of it and you get really connected with your clients because they have to become so vulnerable with you so quickly because they either have to undress and you're, you're creating this like painful experience, but you have to make it enjoyable so that they're willing to pay you and then come back. Eventually in your hometown, wherever you're working, you start to see people in the same circles. Yes. And I feel like that happens a lot where I would see the same best friends and I would see couples and I would see, you know, siblings. And what, my first job, I saw everybody at this rep theater because they all found out that I gave a good bikini wax. And then suddenly I knew every single person in the cast. It's just, it's so funny that way. But oftentimes that those lines get crossed where you happen to kind of see the whole picture and you're not just hearing her truth and her truth. You're seeing the actual story of everything unfolding. And it's, it's a really weird place that I don't think a lot of individuals get to actually have access to like this behind the scenes. It's really funny. Haley discussed vulnerability. Clients tend to open up to their estheticians because they're forced to be in a vulnerable spot. What are your thoughts on this, Mary? Why do you think this can happen? I think clients are undressed and they're exposing intimate parts of themselves, their body. Sometimes they're wearing goggles or their eyes are covered and they get relaxed or they feel themselves open up emotionally. I just think it's also easier to speak to a total stranger for one, because it's a stranger and two, they are unbiased or at least will act unbiased like you did. So they're non-judgmental and they won't give you unsolicited advice, just like a therapist. So I have definitely told my nail tech things I have never and will never to mention to my family and friends. Sometimes it's just the unpacking of all the stress that you need. And once it's all out of your headspace, you feel so much more complete. It's like that, ah, I'm glad I got that out. Now I can move on. And these estheticians or nail techs or whoever are pretty inviting. And they'll ask you about yourself. And before you know it, you're telling them your whole life story. Yeah, I, I think there's such a thing as getting too comfortable. I remember another client I had, she, oh, she was so wonderful and she was a regular. She spent truly thousands of dollars with me over the years. And then I lost her as a client because she misinterpreted that intimacy that we had in the treatment room as kind of a real solid friendship. And so she wanted me to come to Mexico on vacation with her. No, I'd never spent any time ever outside of the treatment room for like an hour once a month. But she just interpreted that as this friendship. And then I had to decline saying, oh, I'm just not comfortable going to Mexico with you. And that just hurt her feeling. She was crushed and she stopped coming to me. There is definitely a way for your kindness to be misinterpreted as a friendship. I've had that happen to me plenty of times in situations. And for estheticians and other beauty professionals, I think it's important to always have that line drawn. Like for a new client of yours, it's okay to ask the regular questions like, how are you? What do you do? 
and kind of stay surface level, tell a few jokes here and there just to keep a comfortable feel of human interaction, especially if you're all up in their goodies. But it's even okay if you tell them a little bit about yourself if the opportunity presents itself because we're all human and we kind of like to know a little bit about others' lives. But know when to push back and stay on the other side of the field and keep that engagement formal. It's definitely a fine line between friendliness and professionalism, but you kind of have to pay attention to those cues. So Mary, tell us about your experience with Donna and Sue. And you're right, you get to be this intimate friend, right? So I had been through Donna, I had been through Donna's divorce, and then her new yeah. dating life, that's actually how she came to me is because she was dating again and wanted to, you know, look a little younger. She was in her 40s. She ended up meeting a guy who was in his 20s. So that was even better for me because she wanted to keep trying to look like she was 20 rather than looking older than him. So it was Aww. great. But oh, then the relationship began to go sour. So she would come in and give me all, I would get all the details, but then it was like, there's something wrong. I just don't know what's wrong. And I can tell he's just, you know, not emotionally connected to me anymore. One of the things we used to love to do together was go to the gym and work out. And now he goes to the gym by himself. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, Don, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is terrible. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm just crushed. Okay. So then I have Donna, like my next client is someone and she's uh, Sue and she's just like super chipper and happy and all like, and I'm like, whoa, what's happening in your life? Oh, you won't believe it. I met the greatest guy. No. I met this great guy at the gym. Yeah. He's just amazing. The only problem is he's in the middle of a breakup. She is just a bitch. <gasps> so I'm like, I have to make notes that say, don't let Donna and Sue be in the waiting room together, please. <laughs> wow. Well, like Haley said earlier, she starts to see people in the same circles, but this sounded more like a love triangle. Haley gave us a great overview of some common things Estes face every day. But what about the not so common things? Well, there's there's plenty of that as well. One thing I actually had happen was a woman, she had this huge abdominal panis. So this large oh, kind of overlapping abdominal skin that's hanging down. And you kind of had to lift it up to get into her nooks and crannies. And she had a sandwich tucked in there. And it was intentional. She kept that sandwich in there so that the bread would stay warm for her lunch. And so when she'd gotten undressed, she'd just forgotten to take the sandwich out. Mary, I'm literally <laughs> crying tears right now. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Well, this has been the best I've heard yet, but I'm not sure it can even get more jaw dropping. So Mary, you actually wrote a book on these crazy things that happen in the treatment room. Well, I did. I would say my favorite story in the book was definitely the tampon story. And I hope this isn't gross to listeners, but Samantha, the esthetician, right? She voiced how uncomfortable she was waxing her client's vagina while on her period and with her tampon half in and half out. And the client literally yanked the tampon out 
and threw it across the room. Are you freaking kidding me? How completely and utterly disrespectful and gross. But at the same time, amusing, I guess. Well, after a while, you just get used to almost everything. I mean, I began wearing a mask when, and this is pre-COVID, but wearing a mask during any kind of intimate services that would just hide a smile or a gag because, you know, I've had the experience of a client having a yeast infection and I had to just be like, all right, we need to stop. This isn't going to work today. And they get all upset. Oh no, I took the day off work. I've got time. No, I don't have time. Or the client that has a herpes outbreak and they can be like, Oh, yeah, I know it's there. No, 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 we're not going to go here today. Oh, my gosh. And it's just crazy how they feel so comfortable with their venereal diseases (laughs) (laughs) to be like, oh, you're my esthetician. I'm sure you've seen this before. This is normal, right? Like, no. I mean, it's normal, but. Or they don't know it's normal. I'm not really sure what's going on down here. And you look and go, oh, I know what's going on down here. Right. One of my friends was doing some male intimate waxing and it was a friend and she, you know, reluctantly a little bit agreed to do his intimate waxing. And after the first strip, he was jumping up and down, jumped off the treatment table and wanted to go out to his car to snort a line of Coke uh, before he came back in for the rest of his treatment. And she was like, no. So he wanted to know if he could just smoke a cigarette instead. She said, absolutely not. So she somewhat got through the treatment, but later on in the evening, she was out with some girlfriends and it just happened that he came into the same bar where she was at. And then he left He saw her there sitting, having cocktails. He left. He came back. He had a tray full of hot dogs that he then just walked up, left on her table with her girlfriends and turned and walked away. And she never saw him again. So I have a few questions. (laughs) I just don't understand. So what is the symbolism of the hot dogs? How did Montel know where Randy was to hand her the hot dogs? (laughs) And why did Montel think it was just self-explanatory to just hand her the hot dogs and leave? Like, I'm just confused about the whole thing. Well, another, oh, vignette. Oh, gosh, this was the weirdest one. Okay, so we get this letter. I open it up. It is a newspaper clipping that falls out. And then there's a handwritten letter. The newspaper clipping was uh, just a photo of a recent open house that we had had. And... My photo was in the ad along with some other staff, but the handwritten letter says, a friend sent me this newspaper ad, and as soon as I saw your picture, I could tell by the look in your eye that you want me. You are so beautiful. I will be getting out in three months, and I thought we could start getting to know each other now. So I know in my heart we're meant to be together. Send me your address so that I can come and visit you when I'm released. Wow. It was like a hand shaking, like, is this this like, oh my God. So we had to call the warden of the prison. We had to get, basically his mail started to be more uh, censored. And then we had a no contact order. We had to contact the sheriff to like serve him with paperwork so that when he did get released in three months, he couldn't come into our space. 
Well, I would have been terrified if an inmate from a local jail sent me a letter professing his admiration for me and claiming me for when he gets released. Like, am I supposed to be flattered or what? I don't know. So Mary, I'm wondering what inspired you to write The Secret Lives of Estheticians? Well, originally I was gonna write a book about the history of aesthetics in the Pacific Northwest. And I wanted to interview some really iconic estheticians who've been around for a really long time. And I wanted to get their perspectives on the industry and how it's changing and evolved. And then I was having a happy hour discussing this idea with a friend and she was like, boring, absolutely not. You need to make it sexier, more interesting. And so she actually suggested that I just gather these stories about the treatment room. Well, I'm glad your friend suggested this because it is honestly so much fun to read. It's light and it makes me smile and laugh. But moving forward, Haley also mentioned a few stories that didn't even have to do with her specific work. Yeah, sometimes expectations get set up from some really horrible experiences. There's one time I did, I waxed a friend and I was just telling my, my sister this the other day. And this is, I think, like a beautiful cautionary tale because I had asked her, you know, hey, are you on any retinoids medications? Like, do you have any sensitivities? Like, have you ever had any issues in the past? Like, just kind of like the rundown of the consultation, yeah. had her fill out a consent form. And then I go and I wax her and her skin lifts. And I'm like, okay, so let's go through this again. Did you blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, everything's fine. And then she didn't realize that there was a medication that she was on. She just didn't realize it had retin-A in it. So I'm like, okay, you'll be fine. It wasn't too extreme. I'm like, this is just what you have to do to recover. I'm like, but you might be sensitive moving forward. So maybe we could just stick to tweezing at least until we feel like the skin is fully regenerated and then we can patch test again. And she told me that that's what her skin looked like every time she got waxed. I'm like, <gasps> wait, oh what? Gosh. This has been happening to you? Like, I thought that I had just made a big mistake and luckily she was my friend and I felt like she, you know, trusted what I was saying anyways. And I just, I was shocked that she didn't realize that that wasn't normal. And so luckily she doesn't have like big, bold brows. Like she could just kind of pull off tweezing for a while and her skin is fine now. This was 12 years ago, but yeah, it really kind of rocked my world. And I think that that's often like the situations that I get in where I'm just shocked at the experiences that some of my clients have previously had, where then I have to kind of explain to them like, okay, that was that, <laughs> you know, we don't know what was going on with that esthetician at the moment. I don't want to, I never want to throw under anyone under the bus unless it's like a clear, you know, issue of, you know, them just not doing their job well, or they're taking advantage or whatever, unless it's something that extreme, then I won't ever throw anyone else under the bus. I just want to kind of align the clients so that they feel more you know, prepared for, you know, future services. But yeah, that can be really stressful when you have somebody explain their previous situation and it be so horrific yes. and just not in alignment with what is actually the work that we're supposed to be doing. I remember I got in trouble at a spa because I wore gloves during a peel. And I'm like, well, that's standard protocol, you know, like that's, you know, for yeah. your safety and for mine. 
you know, you're not like rubbing their face. It just so that, you know, you're, you're preparing them and making sure that I stay safe and there's no cross contamination. And then I was told like, no, actually like the, the previous person didn't wear gloves. So that means you shouldn't have worn gloves by my manager. And I had to like, they refunded her the price of the facial. I'm like, oh, she had a great facial. Like, is it really <laughs> all about the gloves? I'm like, go ahead and request that girl. I just thought it was so interesting how someone else did, did something that was off protocol. And I don't know their story. I don't know why they, maybe they forgot, or maybe they just had a mind slip, or maybe they just felt comfortable. I don't know. And then so that's kind of like, there's a lot of those situations where I, I'm like, I got to work for myself. <laughs> I can't do this anymore because it is a lot of like customers always right. Unless you've worked in the treatment room, sometimes the argument that the esthetician may have of like, no, this is actually standard practice can seem a little, you know, against what the client is saying. Like one time I wasn't allowed to go home even though I was really sick. It's interesting during this pandemic, like uh, our current times, because if I at all feel something, no one wants me to come in, you know? And I think that that's a really great boundary now. But in the past, I felt like you had to be on your deathbed in order to not show up for a shift. And so I wore a mask, I wore gloves, I, I did everything I could. I gave this woman a full hour treatment and she had complained that I was sniffling because I was really sick and my job wouldn't let me go home. It was just one of those jobs where they risk you getting you know, written up and I'm like, I just... I really need the money and I don't want to get fired and I don't, you know, so they just put me in this awful position and then they let me know that I had to redo the facial and so I had to come in on a day off and the client didn't show up. So Mary, why is there often knowledge gaps between clients, estheticians, and even spa owners? I think as estheticians, we forget that clients might not know the stuff that we take for granted, you know, and also they're not in that environment all the time. So it's kind of like having your IT person talk to you or your car mechanic talking to you. It's like, I have no idea what needs to be done. And it feels like they're talking in a foreign language to me. And then I think spa managers, they feel a lot of pressure from management to meet the quotas and they have financial goals and they really kind of push the boundaries of safety and infection control. And then estheticians, they feel financial pressure because if they don't work, they don't get paid. And so COVID has stopped some of that, but as COVID has gone on, um, people are beginning to push the boundaries even more, I think. Yeah, and when those boundaries are pushed, liabilities occur. Making money is important, I get it. But when it comes down to unsafe practices, you cannot push the boundaries on that, just to make a quick buck. But between spa owners and SDs, there are often knowledge gaps because I do not think the same information is taught, or if it is, it's ignored. And I mean, I think that is one of the reasons Fearless Beauties is here today, right? Just to provide knowledge across all cultures, races, and ethnicities on how to treat skin of color and how to treat it safely and effectively so that there aren't any knowledge gaps. We're trying to build that bridge. So what can estheticians do to educate their clients and employers on standard protocol? 
I think that the longer you're in practice, the more you learn to repeat yourself, you're more intentional about being communicative, you're more explanatory. You know, another story I had was a college student. She was coming in for laser hair removal on her legs. She came in on a Friday morning. She was so excited. She was leaving right after her appointment to go to the beach for the weekend with some friends. And then she called on Monday morning and she said she had a problem with her legs. So I had her come back in and her legs were covered in white pustules, swollen, red, inflamed, gross. So I asked her what she'd done, you know, kind of like, well, tell me what you were doing at the beach. And I was thinking, oh, she's gone into the ocean. She had some kind of saltwater irritation, but she was like, no, we never even went in the ocean. So I had her walk me through her day and found out that she'd gotten checked into the hotel, but then she'd gone in the hotel hot tub. So I believe that hotel hot tubs are probably cesspools of bacteria, but my post-care instructions for her were no hot showers, no excessive heat for 24 hours. I just put a lot of heat into your tissues with the laser. So I don't need you to heat up your body excessively. And so, you know, when she's telling me why I went in the hotel hot tub, I was like, but I told you no excess heat. Her reply was, well, you didn't say no hot tubs. So I learned to be more specific. I learned to ask clients like, what are you doing after this appointment? And then I could give really specific recommendations. Oh yeah, it may seem unnecessary or an oversight on both parts, but asking those specific questions will help both the SD and the client. Yeah, I think estheticians can get themselves in liability situations, sometimes just by not saying no. Your client might want to push you to do something you know isn't quite right, or your spa manager is pushing you to come in when you're sick. So our industry has a ways to go to create an environment that's more financially sound, that offers better benefits and securities, so that people aren't necessarily financially motivated to take those kinds of risks. Yeah, I think that was very well said, Mary. And I think it's important to not be afraid to say no to clients and even your managers if something feels or is uncomfortable to you and compromises your job, your license, or whatever the case may be. Because I've witnessed instances where a client asks for something, the tech knows it won't work out, they do it anyway, and the client has now put the whole organization on blast for unsafe practices. Isn't SD's professional responsibility to just do what is right, no matter what? So Mary, what are your key takeaways from today's episode that SD's should remember? I think keep your sense of humor. Estheticians really have a unique privilege of caring for people. They get to touch them physically as well as provide emotional and mental health benefits. Yeah, I love that. I agree. I would say my key takeaway is that estheticians are truly therapists, and it's not only about performing services, but also providing safe spaces. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. And I'm your other host, Taylor Phillip. Until next time, keep educating yourself. Remember to stay open and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Special thanks to my co-host Taylor and our producers at Quill Inc.